WCCO Radio and the uh, Star Tribune have worked together on playing politics for a long, long time. We'll jump in right here with John and DJ. Both are on the uh, Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Let's start with Mitch McConnell, John. The report initially by the New York Times, backed up by numerous others, tepid pushback from the McConnell team that Senator McConnell, soon to be the former majority leader, has concluded that the president committed impeachable offenses. I just had Congressman Dean Phillips on. I'll ask pretty much the same question. If when we get to a vote in the Senate, if Mitch McConnell would vote yes, what would that mean for the other Republicans in the Senate itself? It would give the institutionalists like Senator McConnell permission to vote to impeach President Donald Trump. And if Mitch McConnell is anything, it's an individual who is a creature of the Senate who fiercely guards its protocols and while certainly legislating with very much from a partisan perspective, particularly when it comes to judicial nominations, he believes in and reveres the institution. And when he sees it literally under attack, rhetorically under attack from the president and not treated as a co-equal branch of government that it indeed is, he certainly is going to come to the conclusion that it appears that he has that these are impeachable offenses. Now, whether or not he gets there remains to be seen, particularly because it now appears in news developments this afternoon that he will not take up articles of impeachment until President Biden is inaugurated and into his early tenure of his office here. We'll have to see what the mood of his caucus is and the mood of the country is at this point. But boy, that would be a significant and sharp departure from the failings of support that President Trump has enjoyed in Congress, and it indeed may lead to a conviction. DJ, how about you on that? On the McConnell? Uh, well, I think everything John says is right. Uh, I would just add, you know, Mitch McConnell is a, a practical politician, uh, along with being a, an institutionalist. Uh, he just got reelected. Uh, he won't have to run again for six years. He's also 78 years old and might not run again anyway, but six years is a long time. And I suspect that the signal he's sending, uh, his members is essentially that, you know, they should feel free to look at their own situation. Uh, and if they, you know, feel that they can, uh, you know, feel free to vote uh, to convict the president. You know, the Republicans are in a funny position here. There would not be that much sorrow in Republican land if Donald Trump were disqualified from running again. And that is one of the possible outcomes of a conviction. I think establishment Republicans like Mitch McConnell know full well that they might not be able to prevent him uh, from winning the nomination again. And he certainly would tear the uh, could tear the party uh, in pieces. So I think that if they could muster 17 votes and get that done, that wouldn't break their hearts. And candidly, if a Trump tr- uh, trial point 2.0, uh, you know, takes a lot of attention and oxygen away from the Biden agenda, that isn't going to break any hearts on the Republican side of the aisle either. Doug. Um... 
early this afternoon, initially to Fox News, but to the rest of the world very soon after the president issued this statement. In light of reports of more demonstrations, I urge that there must be no violence, no lawbreaking, and no vandalism of any kind. That's not what I stand for. It is not what America stands for. I call on all Americans to help ease tensions and calm tempers. Thank you. The automatic from all of us is those comments should have been made over and over again for weeks and for months. But they're out today. Do they carry any significant weight? Well, I think they do. Uh, I think they certainly will carry some weight with a good many, not all, but a good many of the hotter heads uh, out there. And, you know, I think uh, with all the experience we've had uh, with this president and his recklessness, it really is, uh, it almost sounds like the moment of truth that we've waited for for so long where he finally uh, wakes up uh, to the situation around him and uh, and behaves uh, like a president. So, uh, you know, it's a coming from Donald Trump. It's a remarkable statement. John. It is a remarkable statement. And the way that he delivered upon it shows some of the new realities that he has to face now that nearly every social media site has banned or suspended him. He now has to go through more of a traditional press process, and it may have an influence in temporizing his tone, which certainly would have been hugely helpful, and Republicans themselves say this, as the mobs stormed the Capitol a week ago while we were on the air. And indeed, several stories have emerged that Kevin McCarthy himself, who of course was going to be voting to not certify the election, called into Fox News to try to get the president's attention to try to have him understand the alacrity of the situation. And indeed, you know, since you and I and our colleague Scott Gillespie were on the air a week ago at this time, every single day it emerges just how much more dire, dangerous and dramatic this attack was. And as the press and the FBI and other entities continue to unpack and unfold this, this is extraordinarily dangerous. And however tragic it was, and it clearly was with five people having lost their lives, considering what the mob had intended to do, you could have had literally the slaughter of several representatives and senators and even the vice president of the United States, which was clearly the intent of some of the people who were leading the insurrection. So Um, You know, I think that as we learn more um, and as more charges are filed, I think that we're going to understand the the importance of rhetoric and the fact that the president is trying to tone it down here is certainly welcome. Well, let's let's stay, John and Doug, with the vice president. The vice president was in the Capitol. Chants of hang pence were taking place. The president never made a single phone call to check on his safety, clearly did not react right away to the guard. That is, that is defined Hello? Uh, with, without any doubt, Hello? right? Um, can Hello? you still hear me okay? Doug, can you still hear us okay? Well, I hear you now. Okay. No I problem. lost you there for a, for a bit, sorry. Oh, okay, no worries. So, John, we also now have report that the day of, 
the president spoke to the vice president and said you can either be a patriot or a, and we'll fill in the blank because we can't say it here on WCCO Radio. The vice president has said, though, made it clear yesterday he is not invoking the 25th Amendment. How do you read how this is all played out for Mike Pence this week and how it has played out for Mike Pence moving forward? Extraordinarily uneven. I think that, you know, he should have reckoned with the president years ago in terms of his behavior in office and taken risks. You know, Vice President Pence was the only person whom the president couldn't fire because, of course, he's elected along with the president. He could have dropped him from the ticket or expressed his desire to have a different vice president or pressured him to resign. But he couldn't sack him the way he did so many other cabinet secretaries. And yet when it came right down to it, he had two major decisions to make, and much credit now and in history will be given to him for not acting on the president's impulses, let alone demands, to try to decertify the election. That was not within his constitutional purview. He knew it, and he held firm to the Constitution. And yet when the Constitution gave him the option to invoke the 25th Amendment, and he, more than anyone, has seen how unsteady this president is, especially literally with his own life, with Vice President Pence's own life in terms of the danger that you just described that he was in regarding the Capitol. He chose not to do that, most likely to maintain his political viability four years from now. But, uh, you know, that's putting person or party over country, which is not what we expect of our elected leaders. So clearly, I think a disappointment there, and that would have been a move that would have ended this impeachment drama and, in effect, led Republicans to take care of this issue by themselves because, of course, the president, you know, is someone who has had their backing, and many of them clearly know that what he did was highly inappropriate. DJ, how about the the vice president, how it played out for him, and just also on that last point? Yeah, well, you know, I think— is uh, thinking about four years from now. Yeah, I think— uh, John's got it about right there. I, you know, I guess I think back to when he accepted the nomination back in 2016. It wasn't like Trump's nature was a mystery. So when he, you know, signed on, I think he did it in full recognition that he was going to have to go along with a lot of craziness, uh, and he did uh, uh, for a long time. But in the end, yes, he, you know, he was forced to make. Um, some momentous decisions. It was also an opportunity for him to reclaim some of his uh, reputation at the end, and and I think he did. And uh, and I think uh, he'll be in much better position than he would have been. Although he'll always have the you know the Trump brand on him to uh, uh, to some extent. On the Twenty Fifth Amendment, I have a little different view. I I don't think this sort of use as an alternative uh, impeachment. Uh, you know, a punishment for improper presidential action is really what the amendment's uh, intent is. Uh, it, it plainly was put in place to deal with an incapacity uh, of a president, a president in a coma or under anesthesia or, or mentally, uh, uh, you know, delusional, uh, which none of that really captures the situation here. And the way people talk about it, they talk about it as if Trump deserved to be removed. Well, that's impeachment, not the 25th Amendment, in my view. 
Let's just stay with a longer one segment this time instead of breaking it up. Let's 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 Doug turn to local here with impeachment implications. It's falling on party lines. Um, doesn't surprise any of us um, that this is how it's playing out. If it goes as expected, <clears throat> that next hour the vote takes place and the president is impeached. But in the Senate, as we've laid out, they can't get to the 67 votes. What effect that does that in particular have on any of the congressmen? Is, does any one stand out, or is it just kind of the typical fare we've witnessed over the last who knows how many years of uh, either you're well to the right or you're well to the left? Well, you know, I don't think that any of our members of Congress, because of the nature of their districts really have much of a, a political alternative uh, uh, about which way they're going to vote. And, and indeed, they went that way the last time with Colin Peterson being one of, I believe, only two Democrats in the entire House uh, to not vote for impeachment the last uh, the last time around. And I think it kind of goes that way here. Neither of our senators obviously are in play in any way. And I think that's where the action is going to be, just because when you have to run statewide, it's almost always uh, a somewhat more complicated uh, political calculation. You know, one would like to think that these politicians will, you know, set politics completely aside and uh, do what they think is right. But that's not how the political world works. John, last word for you on that topic. I concur with DJ, but what will be quite compelling to see is the next time that they're up for re-election, we will have redistricting in this state. And at minimum, their districts will be different, perhaps more competitive. And at maximum, unfortunately for the state, we may go from eight to seven congressional districts, which could pit two incumbents against each other. We'll have to see how it all configures. And then in particular, while it's expected that none of the four Republicans were going to vote for impeachment, you did have representatives Hagedorn and Fishbach, who voted to not certify the election, which is a step beyond what Representative Stauber and Representative Emmer um, did with this issue in Congress. And so that might be something that might be even more of a challenge for them. The first district where Representative Hagedorn is highly competitive, and we'll have to again see how the lines are drawn after they take into account the next census, the census. Have to go. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Take care, Chip. John and DJ playing politics from the Star Tribune right here on CCL.